It's Wednesday the 20th of September and this is The Splash. Uh, how about those Matildas, hey? We talked them up on The Splash yesterday. Uh, they beat Brazil 3-2 last night. Uh, making huge headlines on the Fox Sports website today. Sam Kerr, how about her? Another brace for the Aussies. This is a team taking Australian hearts by storm. It's just an amazing accomplishment from undoubtedly Australia's best sporting team at this point in time, which is how he's talked them up yesterday on the Splash G'day. I'm Phil Pryor. Welcome to the Splash. Uh, and it's going to be mainly NRL and a bit of motorsport uh, that we dive into in today's episode on this Wednesday. Um, look, I did want to uh, give a shout out to uh, AFL boss Gil McLaughlin on AFL 360 last night. Some of the highlights are in the video section up on site. Of course, I mentioned Sam Kerr kicking two goals against Brazil. Go and check out those highlights at the Fox Sports website as well. Uh, those goals, just absolute, absolute stunners from her. And also up on site, AFL preliminary finals early mail from the Fox footy gang down in Melbourne. Do a stellar job every week uh, finding out who could potentially come in, who could be out, uh, injuries, all that sort of news well ahead of teams dropping on a Thursday evening. Uh, and of course, it's preliminary final week. So we will uh, we have all that early mail up on site for you. But it's probably fair enough that we dive deeper into some NRL today because... The wires are running hot. Nathan Ryan, his phone has been running even hotter, scorching it seems. Uh, Only my love life was that busy. (laughs) No Tinder notifications going off there, mate. Off the Tinder, mate. Off the Tinder. (laughs) That's not a bad idea. Yeah, being a good boy for a change. (laughs) Too busy. Uh, Yeah, well, things are very busy with the likes of Des Hasler uh, getting punted. Um, Can you talk us through that process and and how it happened, uh, you know, uh, inside the the four walls at Bulldogs HQ. I certainly don't think it's any great surprise for any of us now. The writing's been on the wall for for quite some time, but uh, the final nail in the coffin uh, started to be drilled in last week when Ray Dibb, their chairman, started to do the off-season reviews. Um, normally it'd be the coach that sits down with the players to review the season. So yeah. there's obviously a, a little something going on inside those walls at Belmore. Well, and that was already happening in other clubs, of course. We, we know of the yeah. situation at South. So And Michael Maguire started those yeah. reviews before yeah. he was punted. So so why was it held back at the Bulldogs? Did uh, Hasler must have known something was going on. He... he Surely wasn't uh, wasn't blindsided like Michael yeah. McGuire was. Um, I, I think that he was very well aware of the fact that the drums were beating, and, and this was obviously another massive warning. But the interesting thing about these reviews that, that Ray Dib did is that it basically confirmed what the board had decided that, that Des had to go. There was a, a number of uh, alarm bells that went off during these reviews. And while Des wasn't specifically mentioned uh, during the review process, they were referred to as the coaching staff. Yeah. You know, the players were asked things like, um, how did the coaching staff interact with you? How was the decisions the coaching staff made conveyed to you? You know, were you... Um, 
given incentives by the coaching staff to you know, lift your game if you know you're playing New South Wales Cup. Like all, all of the questioning was coaching staff. Yeah. So not yeah. des specific, but I, I found it interesting in the the people that I'd spoken to about these reviews. The only time, and they did touch on their their season, you know, their performance, but the only time that any notes were taken was when they were talking about the coaching staff or brought up Des. How do you you find out all this information? A lot of phone calls, my friend. (laughs) A lot of of phone calls. You know people in the right places at the Bulldogs. Of course, Nathan Ryan, you do have a yarn up on uh, site right now at foxsports.com.au in the homepage splash as it is uh, inside the Canterbury exit. Uh, Quick clarification for our splash listeners, Nath, uh, Ray Dibb, why is he uh, taking charge of all this process? Um, uh, you know, d- d- explain to the listeners why he's front and centre of this process. So he's the chairman of the board. So um, he's essentially the the figurehead and the man that that runs the show. So in a club with no current CEO, no current club captain. Yeah. And now so no coach. Ray, <laughs> Raylene Castle, and we we won't bore the uh, the splash listeners too much, but just a, a, a quick run through. Raylene Castle is the CEO. She's since finished up. Andrew Hill, who looks after the Rugby League World Cup, he'll take over from Castle, but at the moment he's still you know, running the show at the Rugby League World Cup, so he won't actually come in until early next season. So uh, Ray Dibb, he's, he's certainly got a, a lot to, to worry about, including finding a, a new coach at the moment. So based on his recommendations to the board, that's how they then got to the decision that does his time was up. Ray Dibb is almost as busy as you. Almost. <laughs> So who's going to take o- Tinder? Who, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's going to take over uh, from Des Hasler? I know that this is uh, gone. You, that you in the Market Watch podcast, which has now go- gone up for the week, uh, go into detail about this with uh, Ben Glover and Ben Eichen. Um, who are the two? Who are the the main candidates? There are two front runners, right? Well, the the line of thinking, and and it has been this way for some time, is that Dean Pay, a former Bulldog, who's now an assistant coach at the Raiders, he's the the heavy front runner. Uh, Michael Maguire's name has been tossed up a mm. lot, and they're the two candidates that we discuss on on the Market Watch podcast. I understand that the Bulldogs board are, are pushing for a ex-Bulldog or someone that has ties to the club to, to take that position. Yep. Um, just earlier this morning, Todd Payton, who's an assistant at the Cowboys, his name's been thrown in the ring as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be shocked if they didn't go with somebody with some sort of link to the club. Jim Dimmick, current assistant coach, he's put his hand up for the role. So yep. Yep. My, my gut feeling and based on the conversations that I've had with people around the Bulldogs club is that Jim Dimmick will get the role. Yep. And and if he is to get the role, they need to act fast because he has been interviewed by Warrington who are also on the lookout for a coach at the moment. I just think that the biggest fear with appointing somebody like a Michael Maguire is he doesn't uh, come from a, you know, a, a Bulldogs background. And that was half of the battle that, that Des faced. You know, they said that he didn't understand the culture. Well, yeah. how can Michael, you know, un- understand the, the culture? And I think they're very similar coaches. They're both very controlling, both very intense, um, you know, have a, have a lot of great traits on a team, you know, in terms of work ethic and, and pushing the boundaries in sports science. But I think they are very similar coaches. So um, it's almost a like for like if you, you replace Des Hasler with Michael Maguire. And the Bulldogs... 
are a club structured in a way where the the members and the fans do have a lot of say? Of course. Do you yeah. feel like um, the board uh, and Ray Dib will need to uh, put a coach? in that has ties to the club in order to save their own jobs. And, yeah, I, and that's my follow-up question. How safe is this board? Yeah, I, I don't think they're they're that safe at, at all. Uh, because this move to sack Des was partly due to potentially save themselves. Oh, ma- massively, yeah. Def- definitely a, a move to try to, to save their own bacon. There's a, an election in February. Um, so time is running out and, and there will be rival tickets that will go up against them. So... Um, this was the first move in in trying to to save themselves, and the, the next move will be appointing a coach that the fans are, are happy with. Yeah. If the fans are happy, then you know there's um, there's a push to to stay with with what we know. They you know they made a bad decision, they fixed it, and away we go. But if uh, if they come up with a coaching candidate that the members aren't happy with, then you'd have to imagine that that rival ticket they start. You know, growing some momentum. Mm. Uh, Nath has documented uh, everything he knows about this uh, Bulldog situation on the Fox Sports website. Please go and check it out. And you've got another uh, couple of yarns up there at the moment uh, doing very well uh, on site today. Uh, another one with a with a Bulldogs link. Um, a, a little inside, uh, in, or insight into uh, Jonathan Thurston giving his 2004 Premiership medallion to Steve Price, who of course didn't play on Grand Final Day against the Roosters. Um, give us a bit of a plug for, for this yarn. Well, I wish I could take credit for this one. It is a story that has been around for a, a little while. Yeah. Um, but Steve Price was uh, on Sturlow's program on um, Tuesday night. He sat down on the couch with him, went into detail about that great story, and it, it is a, a terrific story. One in you know very selfless act from an eighteen-year-old Jonathan Thurston. So yeah. um, he wouldn't have played in the grand final if Steve Price was yeah. fit. Yeah. Suffered a knee injury in the game b- before the the GF. So um, in a you know, very uh, selfless act, JT gave him his premiership ring and um, the quirkiness and, and the reason that we decided to, to write about it for the website is that the rings were handed out at random and um, it was, you know, at, at full time players were going around um, trying to find their, their Jersey number, uh, <laughs> which, which was on the, on the ring. So they were exchanging rings. JT went up, grabbed the ring and it actually had Steve Price's Jersey number, number 10, which didn't feature in that match. JT was in, in Jersey 18. Yeah, so right. it's just one of those really freaky, uh, fake type of stories. It's, yeah. it's quite quirky. So if, if you like that sort of stuff, <laughs> it's worth checking out. Appy Coruscant might have done the same with Isaac Luke a few years ago for the Rabbitohs. I'm not sure if he gave his ring up, but um, yeah, it was pro- probably one that we we need to we can to follow, follow up. up. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, obviously, we saw last year in the AFL Grand Final, Luke Beveridge give his premiership medallion to mm. Bob Murphy, who who was out with an ACL injury that season. It's the kind of story that uh, that does stuff, pop up from it? time to time. Yeah. Um, and and uh, look, I can't Pulls help at the but, heartstrings. Yeah, it's emotional. But, but for those players that didn't feature in those grand finals, you can't help but feel that they still have that degree of emptiness about, um, for sure. you know, not playing on the day. And, and in the, in the opposite case for Jonathan Thurston, he did play in a grand final, but I think winning that one for the Cowboys where he sort of led the team all the way there would just mean so much more to him. 
Yeah, and I, I think he's he said as much as well that um, it it was a little bit hollow because he knows that he wouldn't have been in that Bulldogs grand final if Price was fit. And yeah, yeah, your, your contributions throughout the season is what makes you know, being being part of a grand final all the sweeter and winning it all the sweeter because it's the blood, sweat and tears leading up to that moment when you've only played a handful of games. Yeah, it it is a little bit empty, but fortunately for JT, the champion that he is, he has two premiership rings now, one that he knows that he's fully deserved and and one that, yeah, in all rights, he, he did earn. That's more rings than we'll ever win. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and your weekly uh, column is also up online, Market Watch. Give us a bit of a uh, a bit of a taste for what we can go and find there today. Yeah, plenty of juicy bits in there, Phil. Uh, all the ins and outs for the Sharks ahead of 2018. They've uh, pretty much firmed up their roster for, for next year. So um, all of the, the ongoings there. Uh, Jacob Lilliman has, has finally landed a club. Of course, he's a, a former... Queensland Origin representative, so a uh, one-year deal coming his way. Uh, Mitchell Moses, we detail just how much Parramatta paid for him this season, and while he could potentially be the bargain buy of the year, uh, and then a host of other clubs. The Roosters have re-signed a, a forward, uh, a, a veteran uh, forward on the way to park footy, so essentially his career is over. Um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. I think the Dragons actually have just confirmed one of the things that was in Market Watch, which is Jeremy Lattimore mm. is leaving the Sharks and, and heading back to the Red V. But um, yeah, plenty of, of tidbits in there for those who are interested. Get on site, foxsports.com.au forward slash league uh, for all that news. Thanks, Nath. Thanks, Phil. And as Nathan Ryan does the dash on the splash, we welcome in the motorsport team, uh, Will Dale, who is our normal uh, Fox Sports digital uh, content producer for the Fox Sports website. Welcome, Will. Cheers, Phil. And AJ Hawkins, who's always running around down uh, in the lower ground uh, floor of the Fox Sports building, producing shows and uh, helping out with the Supercars podcast as well. Uh, Welcome, AJ. Thanks, Phil. It's good to be here and... Hello, everyone. <laughs> and we're, um, yeah, we'll start things off. Obviously, plenty of news to come out of the weekend. F1, uh, the supercars as well. Um, but you guys are about to record uh, another supercars podcast. Uh, and I suppose that's going to be looking at um, all the, the wash up from the Sandown 500. Yeah, we've got uh, the Sandown, luckily enough to get the Sandown 500 winners, Cam Waters and Richie Stanaway on. So we'll be chatting with them about the win and about, you know, how their season has gone. Well, especially because Cam Waters has got his first win at the Sandown 500. So we're going to be talking about his first win, his main win in supercars. And uh, we're also going to be speaking to our resident expert, David Reynolds, who are dragging him off the ski slopes to come and uh, <laughs> come and chat with us. And uh, The poor thing. Exactly, exactly. So uh, Where's he yeah. at up at Falls Creek? Back near home in Albury? I'm sure he will be somewhere around there. So we're going to drag him off the slopes and chat about a lot of supercar stuff. There's a lot of news floating around, so we'll dissect all that and dissect the weekend. It should be should be good. Shout out to all those listeners down on the border. Uh, and, yeah, Will, uh, give, the, give us listeners a quick rundown as to what happened at Sandown last weekend. Well, basically... Cam Waters, as AJ touched on, Cam Waters and Richie Stanaway stormed to their very first win in the championship. They held off the current Supercars points leader, Scott McLaughlin and Alex Prammer, for that win. It was a disastrous meeting for the reigning, or the reigning series champions, Red Bull. Both of their cars for Jamie Wincup and Shane Van Gisbergen blue tyres and 
team owner Roland Dane is not too pleased because mm. they went with too aggressive a setup and with the speed that they, those cars had over the weekend, they really didn't need to do that. And it's basically cost Van, Van Gisberg and a shot at back-to-back titles and it's put Jamie 84 points behind McLaughlin mm. in the points race heading towards Bathurst. In uh, saying that, there are still a lot of points to go. So I'm not going to rule him out just yet, mm. you know, but it's, uh, it's not the best way to, to defend your title defence. No, indeed not. And probably the other big thing to come out of the weekend were there were a couple of massive crashes at the S's at the end of the back straight. The one that made all the highlight reels on Saturday evening, poor, poor Todd Hazelwood and Brad Jones Racing absolutely destroyed a car. Mm-hmm. Massive impact. I think the numbers said 185 kilometres an hour into the fence and then went from 185 to zero in 0.6 of a second. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I know. And also... He then got out of the car, went to medical, got checked out, then went and did his own race, you know, less you know, less than an hour later. Yeah, forty five minutes he wow. was back later, he was back in his regular car, <laughs> starting off the front row of the Super Two race, came home third, just Yeah. I what, what I couldn't yeah. I couldn't do that. No. If I had a big crash like that, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to the pub, yeah, we're I'm done. done. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even get back in my car and drive home. A few, few years ago, uh, I'm name dropping here, but <laughs> I was working down in Albury. Jason Bright, uh, he just came fourth in the uh, Bathurst 1000, which we're going to get to in a second. And uh, he gets the next day, he spends seven hours behind the wheel driving back to Albury, back to Brad Jones Racing. And I said, how's that feel getting in your in your, your normal sedan after a weekend? He said, no, no, it's, it's all in a day's work. It's all good. <laughs> oh, he's a good dude, Brighty. Uh, yeah, so for a lot of these drivers, not a great build-up into the main endurance uh, event of the year being Bathurst in a couple of weekends' time. Well, that's the thing. Sandown's always the traditional lead-in event. You you try things at Sandown. It's the first endurance race, so first driver changes, first in-race brake pad changes, all these little things that you don't do regularly throughout the year, and it's an opportunity under race conditions to sort of sort yourself out. So there are a lot of teams that had little technical issues. Um, Red Bull, of course, with their aggressive setup blowing tyres. You don't want to do that at Bathurst. Mm. A few teams having like weird issues with throttle dramas over the weekend. It's an opportunity for them to go to the mountain now with all that hopefully sorted out in three weeks' time. And, Will, uh, I'm assuming the, the the most popular video to come out of the, the F1s this weekend was uh, an incident that <laughs> happened after the actual race itself at Singapore. Oh, you've got to love <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo, don't you? Like, that, he's a cracker. Oh, <laughs> cracking something. Val, Valtteri Bottas, he's a, he's a lovely dude. Finish. Comes across as not, not being spectacularly... What's the word I'm looking for? Charismatic. Charismatic. Emotive, yeah. <laughs> uh, an Iceman in the proud Finnish tradition of Iceman. Raikkonen and so forth and Mika Hakkinen. And we were going through the videos the next day and they always film, like, for non-English speaking drivers, they always film, like, a little short spiel from them in their native tongue to send yeah. back to their their newsrooms. And, of course, right before Valtteri recorded the thing for Finnish news, Ricardo politely asks, may I let one rip? And he proceeds to do so, and Valtteri just loses it and just lasts for the best part of 45 seconds. So, And no one in at the time when this video surfaced, no one in the Fox Sports building could, <laughs> could work out what had happened. AJ, uh, Will sends around an email to the newsroom, can anyone translate Finnish? <laughs> I don't know yeah. why they're laughing, but <laughs> we did get to the bottom of it. Uh, and MotoGP this weekend... Ah, yes, everyone is off to Aragon, including potentially Valentino Rossi, who broke his leg in a training crash 
19, 19 days ago now and had to miss his home race at Mizano. But he went under surgery immediately afterwards, had a rod inserted in his leg to help the recovery, you know, standard motorcycle racer stuff. Yeah. And he got back on a motorbike for the first time at Mizano, like a super bike, not his regular MotoGP bike, started turning laps, went back to overnight, turned a few more, and he's now one medical check away and a medical clearance away from potentially racing this weekend. Unbelievable. Less than, less than three weeks after breaking both bones in his right leg. Oh. <laughs> like, it's... it's it- for someone like that to do it, that's inhuman. Oh yeah, he's he's thirty eight too. So like he's not a young man anymore. But you know, these are the things you do when you really want to win a world championship. Yeah, unbelievable. Okay, thank you both, gentlemen. I'll, I'll let I'll, I'll get out of here so you guys can go and record the Supercars uh, podcast. Uh, and that's it for the splash on this Wednesday. Uh, thanks to all our listeners and subscribers out there. Until next time, that is a wrap. Uh,